conditions surrounding my parents' beer and bologna soiree made the crossing of some invisible line and their ongoing war of hard words and physical abuse a foregone conclusion. As much as I hated the discomfort of having my territory invaded by mindless adults, I dreaded even more my inability to escape the hellish crescendo I knew would follow when my father started chasing beer with whiskey. But no refuge was to be found in the front bedroom, whose dark shadows and damp spookiness scared me witless. Wallpaper hung from the ceiling in stained, ragged strands, like a cross between witch hair and brown cotton candy. The jaundiced glow of the exposed overhead light bulb fell far short of its four corners, where untold evil lurked. Should I find myself alone in that room, the cardboard window panes, creaky floors, and lumpy 30-year-old mattress were the least of my worries. Traffic to and from the party's beer supply rendered the kitchen in the back of the house a useless hideout. Likewise, the bathroom, where I could have played with my toy cars on the floor. Left to idle in the narrow hallway between the living room and the bedroom, I began to hatch a plan. My intention to break up the party before it reached the point that my parents had time and again proven themselves unable to return from without inflicting damage didn't necessarily include subjecting their guests to bodily harm. I liked Doc and Dorothy Lawrence, Pete and Wanda Faye Kahn, Paul and Cookie Chastain as sober adults. Just the same, the job of saving my parents from themselves called for drastic measures and innocent bystanders couldn't be helped. My father kept a loaded pump-action 16-gauge and a 22 caliber rifle stashed in the bedroom closet. Such an arrangement was as natural to him as breathing the night air. Childhood, in the Depression-era backwoods of western Kentucky, had left him ingrained with a notion, contrary to his wife's, that a boy was never too young to put food on the table. On the morning of my fifth birthday, I awoke to find him cleaning the shotgun. While examining his handiwork, he broached the subject for the first time. Son, he said, affecting more profundity than I was used to hearing, in this old world of snake bites and hunger pain, a man's aim's about as close as he's going to get to a paid-up insurance policy. There ain't many scores that can't be settled with a load of buckshot. My mother argued rather convincingly that in East Houston in the mid-50s, squirrel and rabbit were in such short supply that knowledge of small firearms was about as useful as the ability to speak Portuguese. But she was told where she could stick Portuguese, and with that, the discussion ended. Later in the day, he borrowed Little Willie Smith's shiny black 49 Ford Roadster and drove Grandpa Willoughby and me to a pine thicket north of Old Wallaceville Road, where I was given my first lesson with a single-shot twenty-two. My decision to fish the twenty-two from the closet wasn't made lightly. To retrieve the gun meant entering the room alone, a chilling prospect even in broad daylight. But sensing the storm gathering behind the rising levels of alcohol, I figured those dark corners were no match for what would happen if the adults out there started screwing each other. Aside from enhancing the gravity of my announcement that it was time to go home, I had no intention of using the gun. 
based loosely on the Saturday matinees I'd seen at the Navaway Theater, where the good guy got the bad guy's attention by wielding a six-shooter full of silver bullets, my plan required the gun as a prop. Hank Williams was singing lovesick blues when I stepped into the living room armed with my father's rifle. Dorothy Lawrence was the first to notice my arrival. My Lord, he's got a gun, she called out, a bit less dramatically than I'd have liked, but compelling nonetheless. The focus of attention shifted instantly in my direction, and having all eyes on me sent a surge of power through my nervous system that left my mind a small blank canvas. From there, the script unraveled. It was lack of preparation for this pivotal moment that provoked two serious blunders. One, inadvertently disengaging the thumb-activated safety on the rifle. Two, pulling the trigger. The bullet exploded into the linoleum floor less than a foot from where Dorothy Lawrence stood. Lovesick blues came to a screeching halt, and my father pounced on me like he was Batman on pep pills. Sensing his first impulse was to beat me with the butt of the rifle, I braced myself for the worst. Instead, he hugged me so close to his heart that even through the ringing in my ears, I could hear it pounding. Being squeezed so hard that I could barely breathe gave me a feeling of comfort. My peacekeeping mission was complete. There would be no fighting that night. Shocking people sober and sending them home thankful to be alive is one way to break up a party. Although visibly shaken, my parents' friends showed no ill feelings. Cookie Chastain said she knew I was a good boy and wouldn't hurt a flea. Pete Kahn reckoned I knew not to play with no more loaded guns. Doc Lawrence went as far as making a joke about my aim being so bad that I was lucky not to have shot my dang pecker off. Hushed exits, however, told the story of how they really felt. My parents never asked why I chose to wave a loaded rifle around a room full of people, let alone pull the trigger. Their joint lecture on involuntary manslaughter suggested they were filing the experience away under the harmless child plays with father's gun heading. I wanted to tell them my true intentions, that it was all their fault that I was sick of being stuck in the middle of their stupid shouting matches, that their friends needed singing lessons. Seeing them work as a team held this impulse in check. At that moment, volunteering information seemed as great a waste of ammunition as a twenty-two slug lodged in the floorboards. On the surface, a temporary halt in my parents' conflict and a hole in the linoleum was all I had to show for my shooting spree. Beneath that, my success was more far-reaching. Ten-plus years of knock-down drag-outs were still to be accounted for, but from that day on, my father refused to allow a loaded gun in the house, a decision that perhaps saved his life and my mother's many times over. <laughs> 